It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the mind of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman. Joining me as always, Mr. Kevin Baxter of the LA Times. We're back after our week's vacation there. So, uh, so much time without podcasting. I almost didn't remember how to do this when we started, but uh, we're up and running. Coming to you on November 27th, a Monday, the deadline day for all of the teams who aren't in the MLS Cup playoffs anymore to announce their option exercise and option decline players. So we will have a bunch to talk about, although I woke up this morning kind of questioning whether we'd be able to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, but we have that all on lockdown. Let's check in with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kevin, how are you doing? Well, yesterday was a bad day. I gotta tell you, yesterday was a bad day. It started out good. Uh-huh. My wife and I, we watched soccer matches from Spain, England, France, and Germany. This sounds wonderful. And that, yes. that, that's, how, that's good, right? Sounds yes. good. Then I wanted to watch an American football game, the Packers and the Steelers, at night, and she said, absolutely not. We're not, not going to watch that. She wanted to watch, and so we did watch, the Miss Universe pageant because being from Puerto Rico, she wanted to see how Miss Puerto Rico did. Um, Miss Puerto Rico did not make it out of the group stage. Oh. Um, so that Miss Colombia, she totally got robbed. She should have won. Miss Angola definitely deserved to make it out of the knockout round. She did not. Um, it, Miss South Africa won. Total miscarriage of justice. It, it leaves me believing for sure that the Miss Universe pageant needs a uh, video assistant refereeing because it, it was it was horrible. But it was historic in, in a sense, too, that Miss South Africa won and Miss France won last year. So this was the first time in Miss Universe pageant history that two countries that had hosted a World Cup also won the Miss Universe pageant in consecutive years. So uh, look at, there's look, that. Look at you pull that out. That is a soccer stat that nobody else has, Kevin. I, I don't well, know. Where did it, you it, get that? Where, if you want to talk about uh, pop culture stuff, we can also talk about the film Coco later, which, is, by the way, is amazing. Best film ever. There's there's some soccer stuff in there, too, that you have to watch closely to see. But where else, except for Corner of the Galaxy, can you get informa- information and analysis like this? So, see, this is not just a crappy soccer pod. This is a crappy social uh, uh, social pod as well. At least my part is crappy. You're... Your part is great. My oh. part is crappy, but but look at that. I mean, pop culture everywhere. I'll, I'll tell you. I was I was going to tell you about my son was visiting over the week, so I had a wonderful week. He was here for Thanksgiving. Uh, he lives in Colorado. We've talked about this, I think, many times, but uh, that was fun. I had a good time. However, the non-fun part of this really came whenever my wife and I have been discussing not having cable anymore, Kevin. We decided that, you know what? It's time to cut the cord. I can watch most of the stuff that I need to watch on MLS Live, and I'm a happy camper with that. So we're like, let's cut the cable. Let's go ahead and do it. So we did it. We did it approximately one week before the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show debuts, and now I'm trying to figure out ways to stream that because my wife is the one who really drives this, although I support her passion for it. She loves the Victoria's <laughs> Secret yeah, I bet you do. Fashion Show, and so uh, we're, we're currently in a bit of a panic. So if you have a home somewhere where we can watch the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show, let me know on Twitter. Of course you can. All right, there we go. Uh, let's get to the LA Galaxy. We talked real quickly, Kevin, about how the LA Galaxy declined the option on some players. Uh, we knew, We already knew five of the 
the players as you and I had talked about it with uh, Jack McBean and uh, and uh, the Ho- the Real brothers, Raul Mendiola uh, and Nathan Smith um, all didn't uh, get their options uh, extended or picked up. And we knew about that before these were officially announced, but we knew there were going to be a bunch of other ones too. And in total, there were 13 players the LA Galaxy declined the options on. There were five players the Galaxy did pick up the options on. Some of those we knew, some of them we didn't. And then we found out the eight players, although it was certainly listed as seven players whenever it was first released, the eight players that were already under contract for the 2018 season. So that is really what we're going to focus on here, Kevin. We have a a bunch of details to go. So why don't we start, and I will start with giving out the names of the players um, all these fortunate or unfortunate people. I think some of them are lucky that they may not have to uh, be with the LA Galaxy after the year that they had. But the options that were exercised, let's go over those first. There are five names on this list. Uh, Emmanuel Boateng, Bradford Jameson, Daniel Starez, Dave Romney, and Ari Lasseter are the five players who had their options exercised by the LA Galaxy and will be on the roster in 20. 20- 18. Um, the ones that are already under contract, let's get those names out of the way as well. There are eight of them. Roman Alessandrini, not a surprise. Uh, Hugo Ariano, uh, you had Michael Ciani, you have Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos, Sebastian Legette, Pedro, uh, Joao Pedro, and Giassi Zardis are your eight players who are already under contract. So 13 players in total, Kevin, that are under contract right now as we speak for the 2018 season, which, if there are 30 roster spots available for the LA Galaxy leaves them 17 holes to fill uh, in approximately 56 days till preseason. So, uh, well, yeah. and two other players under contract, uh, contracts will expire at the end of the year, but uh, um, we have uh, Bajo Husidic and Ashley Cole both under contract. Bajo has already told me personally that he is coming back next season. I don't know how he knows that other than uh, they must be fairly deep in, into contract talks or that the team has made him some assurances. And I talked to Ashley Cole right before he went back. Uh, to England, and he said that he uh, was interested in coming back too, and uh, his agent was in talks with the Galaxy. So um, although they're not signed for next year, they are signed for the rest of this season and are are apparently both in in talks and confident they will be back too. So there's two more players. So now we're down to, what, 15 that we still have to sign. Yeah, so 15 players. Again, half the roster needs to be re-signed or signed from somewhere uh, for the LA Galaxy, which is, again, a ton of people Whenever you're thinking about, you know, how many players there are on a roster and how it goes, it one, um, and we're going to start getting to the players who whose options were declined or not picked up, uh, because that's an interesting list as well. It just it really shows the task that uh, the Schmitz, both Siggy Schmidt and Kurt Schmidt, have in sort of rebuilding this option or this roster. So let's go to the options declined. Uh, the biggest name on this is going to be Jermaine Jones, and he's certainly somebody we're going to talk about. We talked about Jack McInerney, uh, Pele Van Anholt, Brian Rowe, Jose Villarreal, Rafael Garcia, Clement Diop, Jack. Uh, look, uh, Jack McBean. Uh, Raul Mendiola, Bradley Diallo, John Kempen, Jaime Villarreal, and Nathan Smith. Those are the 13 players who have had their options declined. The biggest name there, which which I said there at the beginning, is, is Jermaine Jones, Kevin. And he is, out of all the players that are likely to come back, and we should preface this by saying... 
The LA Galaxy have made this clear, and also it's well known throughout the league that if you release some of these players, that you are still able to get some of them back. And sometimes this is all about negotiating for contracts and for money and for length of contracts and different sort of uh, uh, things that are going on there. But out of all the players that I mentioned in the option decline category, Jermaine Jones is the one player I am almost expecting to be back with the LA Galaxy, and I see this as a pure negotiating tactic by by the Galaxy, by the club, by Siggy Schmidt and Kurt Schmidt uh, to try and take, knock some of the money out of Jermaine Jones's contract. Well, I talked to Siggy Schmidt about that very thing tonight. Um, Jermaine was guaranteed last year, and this is a real figure, he was guaranteed compensation of $722,500.20. Um, that was what he's guaranteed. The Galaxy, there's no way felt like they got that kind of production out of him and they don't want to pay that again. So um, the Galaxy are taking a gamble that no one is going to uh, pick Jermaine up at that price. Um, and they're probably right. I don't think anyone is going to go near Jermaine at that price. Um, Ziggy told me that he thought Jermaine played very well last year, um, uh, but that they needed to give themselves a little bit more flexibility going into the offseason so they didn't pick up the option. But um, without Ziggy actually saying it for sure, uh, he gave every indication that Jermaine's a guy that they're going to pursue uh, going, you know, going into the off season when they they begin to make the waiver moves and everything else that happens next month, and it's it's very difficult and complicated to understand. But uh, Jermaine Jones is definitely the somebody that the Galaxy will have an opportunity to go get and re-sign at a much lower price. Whether Jermaine wants to sign for that lower price, whether he wants to do something else, we'll find out. The other interesting thing too, when you look at that list, is all three goalkeepers are gone, and I talked to Ziggy about that. You know, usually I think teams, when they, they clean house in one position, they at least leave one person, sort of like a starter kit. Um, you know, this is a guy that if everything else goes south, we can build around this guy, one experienced guy. Ziggy said that they've identified some options uh, already at goalkeeper. They think, in, in, the way that they read the tea leaves, they think there's going to be a lot of opportunity in the waiver draft in the free agent market, a lot of MLS players that they'll be able to pick up. He also said that they're scouting, uh, and he did not want to give me a particular area, but he did say that they're, you know, they're active in Europe as they always have been. But the Galaxy traditionally, when you look at the players they've signed, they haven't been very active at all in Latin America, and the majority of foreign players in MLS are now from Latin America. They're not from Europe or Africa or anywhere else. They're from Latin America, and the Galaxy have not gone there. Even the two Mexican players they have. They, they got those guys off of European clubs, off of Spanish clubs. So Ziggy said that he and his son Kurt are very active now in Latin America. They expect to be very active uh, in Europe in, in scouting. They expect they've identified some targets in MLS. One thing that Ziggy did say is that he wants to get players that are going to be in camp uh, at the start of camp. He doesn't want anyone coming in a week before the first game like Alessandrini did last year. Pretty much came in very late uh, when he got his visas and everything done. He doesn't want guys coming in in midseason. It's the January transfer window if it's going to be a foreign player. And these are guys that need to be out of their contract or at least on loan and in camp with the Galaxy when training camp starts in late January. Yeah, January 22nd is that date. And like I said, 56 days till the preseason. So a lot of work to do there. Uh, if you look at, uh, I'm going to give you some numbers in terms of the the salary or or the payroll that has been jettisoned with this. And as Kevin, you said, the majority of that payroll is going to be Jermaine Jones with a $600,000 base salary and a $722,500 uh, guarantee. And 20 cents. Yeah, and 20 cents. I love it whenever they have the 20 cents on there uh, in terms of the guaranteed. So most of that money is going to be that. The Galaxy 
Pelosi shed $1.881 million in base salary and over $2 million in guaranteed salary. So one that tells you that they got rid of 13 players, Kevin, but then, you know, 80% of that money is Jermaine Jones's uh, contract. And so the guys that they let go, whenever you look at, you know, their salaries and, and what and how much they made, they didn't make that much. So in a lot of cases, um, in fact, in the majority of these cases, I don't think you're going to see the LA Galaxy going to uh, to try and re-sign these guys. I mean, you didn't jettison Jack McBean because he was a homegrown player because he was making $65,625 this year um, and that you were somehow going to get a discount on that. I mean, that's it. That's as much as I think that's as low as he can go. Well, yeah, with the exception of you had four players of that 13, Jones, Rowe, McInerney, and, and Van Aanholt, who made more than 82,500 last year. So that means everyone else made less than 82,500. Um, some of them significantly less. And, and so you and I were talking a little bit before, uh, a guy like Bradley Diallo made 65,000 or some such last year. Might the Galaxy have decided that they would roll the dice and try to get him and re-sign him uh, under a waiver deal or after the waiver draft? Um, I, I, you know, I just don't see the why they would want to do that. Let, let's say that he wants a new contract or or the option isn't enough or whatever it is. Even if you got a, a 30% increase in his salary, he's still going to be under what, right around $100,000. Do you take a chance of losing somebody over $35,000? I, I know the salary cap is tight, but it's not that tight. So I, I, I don't understand why the, Galaxy, why the Galaxy looked at the guys that they let go uh, and the salary that they were making and just said, it's not worth not worth bringing this guy back for sixty five thousand dollars. Really, uh, Bradley Diallo is not worth bringing back for sixty five thousand. Jack McInerney, or rather, uh, uh, Jack McBean is not worth bringing back for sixty five thousand dollars. I know they're going to get a slight raise, but um, it, it just seemed to be a complete cleaning, uh, a house cleaning uh, by Ziggy and Kurt. And it, it looks like Ziggy wants to put his own stamp on this team and, and wants to start all over. He's done that with the coaching staff already, and now uh, I think he's. He's going to do that with the roster, and that's his right. He's the coach. He needs to put his vision in place, and and I think that's that's a you know totally fine thing. The last thing a coach wants to do is 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 struggle trying to run somebody else's team. Ziggy's going to put his team, uh, and he has a lot of experience in doing this. He's going to put his team on the field, and uh, the guys that uh, were left on the roster were not players that fit his vision, obviously. Well, here's the here's sort of the interesting breakdown, and and granted, some of these guys play multiple positions. So if you add up these numbers, Kevin, it's not going to work. But I went through and, and listed everybody by you know midfielder, forward, or defender, basically, and and tried to figure out where the LA Galaxy have players and where they don't. Um, and it should come as no surprise right now that of the 13 players the LA Galaxy currently have on their roster, and that's excluding Cole and Husidic that they have eight midfielders, eight people who are capable of playing midfield, and that includes guys like, you know, uh, Giovanni Dos Santos, who is both a forward and a midfielder, although I'm not sure he fits either one of those sort of uh, blanket statements. Um, so there are guys who can play multiple positions, but they have eight midfielders, four forwards, and four defenders. And again, the math won't add up because there's guys who play multiple positions. But eight midfielders, so again, the LA Galaxy came into this, uh, this offseason heavy, heavy, heavy on the midfielders, and they continue to be heavy, heavy, heavy on the midfielders. Uh, they have four forwards, 
forwards, a place where they haven't been particularly strong. And of those four forwards, I don't know that any of those guys are starters. So it certainly is a position the Galaxy are focused on in the offseason, I imagine, and we'll be looking to uh, add some bodies into. And then four defenders. And right now, I can't even put together a starting defender core with uh, Romney, uh, Siani, Steres, and then Ariano's sort of the guy who hangs out there on the edge. And I don't know really where he plays. He's probably a central player. Uh, he's probably not a, a right back. But the Galaxy don't have a right back and they don't have a goalkeeper right now. Uh, they they did not exercise the option on Pele von Anholt, which I see a lot of people scratching their heads about. And it's one of the things I've been pretty adamant about on this podcast from the very beginning. So tell all your friends that that was never going to happen. They were never going to exercise the option on him, knowing that he has a very bad injury that's going to take months and months and months to recover from, and that he would not be ready. And Kevin, this goes right back to what you said about Siggy Schmidt saying guys need to be in camp and ready to go January 22nd, is that Pele von Anholt's not going to be ready for when camp starts. He's probably not going to be ready for when the season starts. So are you looking at playing starting uh, or starting another season without a right back like they did at the beginning of this 2017 season? And the answer is no, you're not going to do that. Now, could Pele von Anholt eventually end up on this team? Yes, he could eventually end up on this team, but you're not going to guarantee him money when you don't know what kind of player he's going to be whenever he comes back. from. The, he may never be the same, which would be a real shame because he was one of the better players with the games he played, and they were looking at exercising his option, and it would have been a no-brainer if he was healthy right now, I imagine. Um, well, but yeah, it's just not going to happen. Well, you make a lot of good points because Ziggy has talked about uh, Sebastian Legette too. He stressed to me Sebastian Legette needs to have his first training session in his comeback. He needs to have it in 2017, not 2018. And the reason Ziggy said that is he wants him to be 100%, not feeling his way, but 100% ready to go at the start of training camp. And Ziggy's really pushing this idea. And you're right about Van Anholt. When you saw the way he played, he's a valuable guy. But he's not going to be ready for the very first practice. And I don't think Ziggy wants to have uh, a lineup uh, that's in flux. I think he wants to have 11 guys. And that's what he did in Seattle for the most part. 11 guys, and you roll 11 guys out there, and they play every day, and you have some guys that you sub in or someone gets injured or needs a blow, then someone else comes in. But for the most part, he has 11 guys. And, you know, that's what he's pushing for. He did tell me, too, when I asked about the goalkeepers, the idea of getting rid of all three at one time, he said, look, we were terrible in goal last year, and we need to go in a different direction. And then when he talked about the forwards, I said, made the same point you did, you know, it's heavy in the midfield, but not much on the back end, especially in goal. And then, uh, you know, you're bringing back some of the same forwards. That's kind of the problem. You didn't score very many goals. He, he said something that was really funny, and I don't think he meant it to be funny. He said, we gave up too, too many goals last year, and we didn't score enough. And like, yeah, that's pretty true. That's why you're 8, 18, and 8. But he said part of the problem was he didn't think that they were ruthless enough in front of the net on, on the you know, on the attacking end, that that they that they really didn't push and make their case, and and they they kind of wimped out a little bit. You know, they looked for the last pass rather than going for the jugular, and that's something he is going to stress from the very start. And that that's some of the things that he's going to try to acquire with some of the players he brings in. He did say too, and you've talked about this, and maybe you can explain this. Nobody really knows the rules. Ziggy said that there's been a lot of rumors out there about what's going to happen with TAM money and whether contracts like Ramon Alessandrini's can be bought down. He seems to have a pretty good indication of which way the winds are blowing, but he said nobody is 100% sure and that it does really affect their thinking. They've had to decide which players to let go. Finances were part of that. They need to decide, for example, we let three goal, the, the Galaxy let three goalkeepers go 
they think they're going to have to go out. They definitely have to go out and sign goalkeepers. They think this is how much money they're going to have to do it. What if MLS decides not to go forward with the two million in TAM money? Does that affect what the Galaxy had planned to do? So you have a team, a league, going into the offseason, making all these personnel decisions not knowing how much money they're going to be able to spend and what the roster uh, situation is going to look like. Yeah, it makes sense then you would l- release more players than you maybe you think you have to. Um, just because that way you could have the flexibility. This is obviously the, the TAM issues that we were talking about um, You know, with Paul Tenorio. Uh, Paul Tenorio was on the last podcast I did. Go back and listen to it. Uh, we talked about the additional TAM and what that could mean and what different sort of options that leaves for the LA Galaxy. And, and just you know, the additional TAM up to $2 million, and it's discretionary, meaning some teams can spend it, some teams can't. Um, that's sort of the rumor right now. But Paul was saying this. Uh, you know, Siggy Schmidt is saying it. You know, we've been saying it, too, is that... <laughs> Without MLS making a decision, and who knows, maybe they're too busy trying to take a franchise away from Columbus uh, to actually come up, come to a decision and, and make a final decision on how these things go. Um, but right now, it, they don't have a clear path of what's going to happen in the offseason, so you have all these clubs making moves, releasing players, not knowing how much money they're going to have to spend. That's a, that's a poor recipe. I mean, Major League Soccer is failing right now to sort of give the league the best chances going forward by making people not aware of how things are going down or how things look. Lots of rumors. There's been nothing that's sort of said anything in terms of concrete, but, you know, $2 million in TAM, a $1.5 million ceiling on the TAM players. Could it go as high as $2 million, which would be great? That would be a possible buy-down of Roman Alessandrini, but I don't think it is. The rumors aren't saying that. So these are the types of questions, and, you know, we had Paul Tenorio on. He was great. He's so knowledgeable, Kevin, and he says that he talks to, uh, you know, experts all the time, and, and he talks to GMs that don't understand the rules either. All right, so these are guys who are in charge of programs that don't always understand the rules. And it's not just because they didn't read them. They read everything, all right? And I've read all the rules, too. Oh, my gosh. Have fun with that. Try deciphering some of these players. There are gray areas all over the place whenever it comes to MLS rules, and that's how the Galaxy were able to manipulate and sort of weasel their way into a bunch of deals by going around certain holes, certain rules, you know, finding holes and poking. That was what Bruce Arena was so successful at. So, uh, again, it's, it's interesting that all this stuff happens, that MLS right now is being, you know, so so very muddy with their directions to what these teams can do. And teams are having to make decisions right now. All these teams had to make decisions right now on who they were going to release, who they were going to pick up options on, and they don't know how much money they get they have to spend next year. That's scary to me. Well, here's an interesting thing, too. Uh, you know, Bruce Arena used to talk about how the league was set up so that there couldn't be a dynasty. Um, obviously, the Galaxy cleaned house. They're in the uh, the midst of a huge roster makeover. This is actually the third straight year they've done that, and it's the third straight uh, architect uh, that's had to put in a new blueprint. And by that, I mean you go back to 2015. In Bruce Arena's final winner as coach uh, and general manager, he, he declined the options on eight players. He let two others leave on transfers. That was Omar and Juninho, Omar Gonzalez. And then two other players were waived. Um then last year, after Bruce left, it was Pete Vianas and Chris Klein. They cut ties with 11 players, including seven players, seven veterans, who had at least 125 games of MLS experience. Um, they brought in a lot of the guys from the academy and homegrown players to replace them. That did not work out so well. Now we're back again with Ziggy, and now he's let even more players go, declined options on 13. 
and is trying to rebuild the team again. So uh, I, I think maybe the difference with the Bruce Arena team is that team brought back Robbie Keane, brought back uh, uh, Gio Dos Santos, who, uh, you know, was uh, was applying himself at the time, brought back. You know, Robbie Keane was definitely the guy that made that team go uh, and informed Giassi's artists. Uh, you know, th- there was a core to that team that I don't think I see now. Last year's team, it was, uh, you know, there was no Robbie. We didn't know anything about Alessandrini. Um, there was a, you know, we didn't know about how good Sebastian Legette was going to be, and he only lasted a few games. There wasn't much of a there there. We didn't know how Jermaine Jones was going to fit in. Uh, Yella Van Dam, you know, was absent from the very beginning, at least, uh, you know, as far as his dedication and, and how much he applied himself to the team. So last year, there wasn't any there there. What do you think about this team, though? I mean, even if Jermaine comes back, is there a core? There's certainly not a core like the the one the 2016 team, but is there a core there? Can you look at this team and say, yeah, we, we can build, we can bring in 17 new players because of the guys that we're going to start with, that we're going to build around, they're so solid and so good that we just plug in around them. I, I don't know that I see that. No, I mean, who's who's the leader? Who's the captain right now? Who are you going to put the armband on? Because it was Jermaine Jones. Uh, it should have been Ashley Cole, but Ashley Cole isn't even on this roster right now. And, you know, although I expect him to be back, uh, it doesn't mean that he will be back. So that's a good question. I mean, who is the leader on this team? Because it's not Giovanni Dos Santos. It's not Jonathan Dos Santos. Or certainly it's never been that way in the past. Um, you know, it's not Giossi's artist. Is it Roman Alessandrini? Maybe. Maybe he's getting there. But, you know, to me, you always have to have these guys that you build around and and Alessandrini is a piece to a puzzle that's great. I mean, are you going to call Romney and Stara's core players on this team uh, with one of those guys probably not starting every game? You know, if one of them starts, the other one probably doesn't start right now. Uh, Siani just joined. So there is, I, I kind of, I think I'm with you, Kevin. I don't know that there's a core here. There's not a goalkeeper to build around. It doesn't even feel like the defense is quote unquote back. Um, being they never had a right bit, right back during this entire season, uh, and they're going to have to shop for one, that's going to be all. I mean, you're looking at a new goalkeeper, you know, a relatively new back line with Siani in there, having only played a couple games, uh, whoever starts around him in a new right back. You have a midfield that will be full of bodies, but I'm not sure that anybody understands which positions people are actually going to play. Sebastian Legette, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, uh, Joao Pedro, you know, Roman Alessandrini, those guys are probably who start, but, you know, how's that going to lurk? And then what about forwards and anything else? There is no Nothing. There is no center that you're saying. Oh yes, this is the this is the piece that you want to build around because you don't have that one player, that dynamic game changer who you can say, how do we get this person the ball? That's not what you have right now. So there is no core. I, I think I agree with you. There's nothing to build around, but you still have to build around something. So how do you go about and establish that core? Yeah, and and so uh, the one thing I do think is I do think Ziggy has a vision. Whether he's going to be able to. Uh, bring that vision, you know, uh, bring the the pieces to bear to, to to make that vision work. I don't know. But so even if you have a vision, you, you go out and say, OK, this is the guy we're going to sign. We've known all, uh, you know, when are we going to get this guy and you bring him in? It's tough for a guy just to walk in and be a leader. So, uh, you know, even at that point, they're going to be missing that leader. And and Ziggy did hedge his bets, uh, bet a little bit by saying, you know, sometimes signing these guys, it doesn't happen in a, in a matter of weeks or months. Sometimes it takes years to get those guys. And, and I'm not quite sure whether he meant, look, there's been guys that, uh, that Jovan and Klein and Peter Vianis have been talking to for years and these guys are going to show up or whether Ziggy was actually begging for um, a little bit of patience to say, look, 
Um, you know, it's going to take a couple of years to get the guys that are really going to make this team go. Hey, you know, uh, asking the fans to kind of hang in there uh, as he uh, slowly builds this team. I'm not quite sure which way he was going with that. But again, you know, to the question of the core, there's very few guys. I think a Robbie Keane maybe, and even he took a little while to develop into a leader. Uh, there's very few guys that show up on the first day and all of a sudden they're the guy that everyone's going to run through a wall for. Yeah. Um, even yet Von Damme, who I thought was a great captain when he was, uh, you know, really dedicated to the team. He, how long, how long did it take him? I don't think he really emerged as the leader he became until August of his first season. So if you expect a guy to show up in January in Tucson, by the way, that's where the camp is going to be, uh, to show up in January in Tucson and to be the leader of the team, I think that's a tough order. Tucson, hmm, one of my most hated places on the planet, Kevin. That's that's interesting. I wonder if I'll go. It'll be, I don't know. I don't know. Being from Arizona State, it's very difficult for me to drive down to Tucson and actually enjoy myself. But uh, maybe maybe that's a good way for me to get over it. Go see the LA Galaxy training camp. But that's it's all interesting stuff. I wanted to bring up one more thing. You were talking well, about wait, one yeah. more thing yes. before yes, you kill ahead. yourself. Yes. I should just say that's where they're leaning. I, that's I, I where think they're leaning. Probably okay. 99 sure they're going to Tucson. But I don't want you to kill yourself. You're you're still trying to get over the Jack McBean thing, and now <laughs> Tucson shows up, and it's been a tough time for you. So so calm down, take a deep breath, and we'll see if we're, if they really wind up in Tucson. Or not. Well, I would like to talk to somebody. I would like to talk to Brian Rowe because this came out and we saw a story in the LA Times and I sent it to you and you you threw your hands up and said, okay, this is interesting because at this time we both figured, this was a, a, maybe a week ago or a week and a half ago, um, that you and I had both figured that Brian Rowe was not coming back with the LA Galaxy, right? And so LA, uh, Los Angeles Galaxy goalkeeper Brian Rowe has found a new spot to kick it on the west side, says the Los Angeles Times, as he bought a home in Westchester for $1.275 million. It's a single-story house built in 1954 and has a classic curb appeal, all right? So this is the, the information. I think the timing on this is just so interesting with all these things. And you and I sort of looked at each other and said, look at... Okay, so this was on November 13th was whenever the story was published and it came out. Um, but look at the timing on this. I mean, here's a guy, and you want to talk about, I think we get lost, and reporters and, and fans and everybody else, we get lost sometimes in seeing these as simple transactions, and maybe they don't have a human cost. But here's a guy, just got a house, buys a house in, in Los Angeles. Uh, it cost him over a million dollars in order to do it. Um, and now he, I, I imagine he wants to play soccer somewhere else, and if he wants to play soccer somewhere else, he might have to move. Um, these are just, it's all tough stuff. I mean, I think we saw the same thing with AJ Delagarza having to sell the house and move and do all, a whole bunch of stuff. It, but there's a human toll to these things. And you look at the the timing and, and all of these and, and how all of these things fall in place. Here's a guy, a goalkeeper who came into this season, Kevin, as the starter for the LA Galaxy. Things go sideways quickly. He still was, by the way, statistically the best goalkeeper the LA Galaxy had this year. Um, but which isn't saying much, by the way. Which isn't saying much. I agree with that. Um, so you look at all those things, and and now here's a guy who now has to sell a house and probably move somewhere if he wants to continue his soccer career. And there's no guarantee that any MLS team is going to pick up Brian Rowe. Uh, he may be a USL guy. He may be an NASL guy. So all those things are, are interesting. I just wanted to throw that in there as well to remind you that these are players. They're human beings. Uh, yes, they play a game for a living, uh, which which makes them incredibly lucky sometimes. But in Major League Soccer, some of these guys are just in a grind that never ends. Uh, you know, a lot more uh, failure stories in Major League Soccer, Kevin, than there ever are success stories. And I, I just think it's important to sort of point that out on occasion. Well, and, and it, the story doesn't say when he actually closed on the deal. This might have been something that, as you said, he was going into the season as the starter, probably thought that he finally found – 
you know, a, a home, he, he did get a raise. It was, I think, 135, 135,000 he made last year. So he probably felt like, you know, he was on his way and found a home, a place he was going to be for a while. And, and he was going to be with the galaxy and everything was looking bright. And he, so he, uh, decides to close on this home and then all of a sudden, and now he's out of a job and out of a salary. And even if he does find a job, it's not going to be where his house is. Um, yeah, it's tough. And, and I actually had a baseball player and this is a totally different thing because you look at the salaries and they're, right. they're totally different. I had actually had a major league baseball player that tried to get me to feel sorry for major league baseball players. And the reason their contracts are so high, he said, is because they have to have a residence in the place where they live in the off season, then they have to have a home during the season. And it was like, cry me a river. <laughs> I mean, you know, do you really need, a, you know, $5 million to be able to afford two homes? So, uh, you know, and Brian Rowe doesn't have that cushion. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of the times you don't think about this stuff. You don't think about Ashley Cole, whether he wants to come back or not, and, and what he has to do with his fiance, who needs to get a visa to come in and you know, his kid and, and just there's a lot of uh, other stuff that goes into it. And that's why a lot of teams like the Galaxy uh, actually have people in the front office that help players work with stuff like that, like like getting immigration documents for family, finding schools for the kids, uh, all those kind of things. Because it really it, – it, I mean, we've all done it ourselves. Imagine having to do it while trying to play soccer at a top level. It's very difficult. Yeah, it is. It's a difficult thing. So anyway, that's just uh, one of the things we wanted to throw out there. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything, you know, one of the things that, that somebody asked, and it was uh, at Rogue Leader LA, he actually tweeted in and says, you know, what what do you think is going to happen now with the expansion draft? You, you've seen what uh, the LA Galaxy have had and what they've sort of released, and now there's only 13 players. We'll, we'll sort of caveat that with there will be at least 15 players on the roster, but even the option declines will probably still remain on the LA Galaxy's roster. They just won't be uh, people that they're going to protect because they have to be somewhere whenever you look at uh, the expansion draft and how it goes down. Granted, LAFC, and I've said this before, LAFC only gets five picks, Kevin. Uh, it's not going to touch most teams in Major League Soccer, and I doubt that it touches the LA Galaxy, knowing that they really only have 13 to 15 players on the list, and they will protect a maximum of 11 players. And so what? You're going to have a maximum unprotected of four players and I think they're probably going to do a pretty good job of uh, of, of making sure that those four players um, are ones that they'd be fine uh, losing if they needed to. And, you know, so it's I don't think it's going to be a huge impact. It's just going to be interesting to see sort of what LAFC tries to do with those five picks and, you know, where they find the value. And granted, with all of these option declines, there certainly could be people um, that the that LAFC might find some value in just going across the hall and grabbing them from the LA Galaxy uh, in terms of somebody like maybe like Jack McBean, or you could even find, uh, you know, some other players, Jose Villarreal's or any of those homegrown players that got released. Um, it's very interesting to me, and, and Kevin, you hinted at it before, um, sort of away from the expansion draft a little bit, but just to compare LAFC and LA Galaxy right now, uh, I heard Brian Dunseth on Counterattack on Sirius XM uh, FC today, and he was saying, hey, did you see all the, the homegrown players the LA Galaxy got rid of? He goes, if I'm an LA Galaxy Academy product right now, and I am in the LA Galaxy Academy system, he goes, why am I not running? He goes, no, sprinting over to LAFC because either it says something that the LA Galaxy don't know how to find talent in their homegrown players or that they just simply 
cut those guys because they wanted a fresh start. And why would anybody want to put themselves back in a position to where they would be in that sort of situation to where they would get cut themselves? And he said, is it simply a matter of the LA Galaxy and the people who are running the academy and looking at the academy system being wrong that many times? And that sort of, you know, struck a little nerve with me in terms of it's you sit there and you look at all of these academy products, Kevin, that have come through the LA Galaxy and you look at the homegrown players like Jack McBean and Jose via Real. Um, you know, Bradford Jameson is one that's currently panning out right now. Uh, Giassi's artist was never really a homegrown player, so everybody just calm down and, and chill out on that. He may have a homegrown distinction, but he never really came through the LA Galaxy Academy, um, so we won't even talk about that. But you look at it, were, was the LA Galaxy just wrong on this, Kevin? Did they just miss, or is there something wrong with the system um, that the Galaxy have put together and with, you know, the sort of the, the leadership and, and the ownership of, of that Academy system? Well, one thing Ziggy did say today is he said that a lot of Academy players and, and LA Galaxy 2 players will be invited to training camp and given a, a shot to win a spot on the team, which is different from what happened last year, which is like, we're going to bring all these guys and this is our team and we're going to throw a couple of veterans in there. I mean, it, it, you know, Ziggy's doing it exactly the opposite. He said that, you know, that the team will be far more experienced and uh, will be much more of a veteran team than the one last year. You know, I to... to the criticism of the academy, or, or are the galaxy? Did they miss with this many guys? You know, I don't know if that's necessarily fair because I, I really think what happened. I think the youth movement and then the injuries early in the season, which the team continues to use as an excuse, and I'm not sure how valid it is. They had decided they were going to go young, and they were going to bring up all these homegrown and galaxy two players before anyone got hurt. But the point is, I think they brought too many players along too fast and and threw them into the deep end and expected them all to swim, and they didn't. And that's not the way I don't think you're supposed to use the academy. And, and again, I'll go back to another sport. If you look at a major league team, a uh, baseball team that has a farm system, I think everyone understands how that works. If you look at a good team, they may have three or four guys that came through the farm system, and the rest are guys that they traded for or guys they signed as free agents. Um so when you look at that, do you say, oh, well, th these guys drafted horribly and they have a terrible minor league system? No, I think you look at that and you say they've used their pieces well. They've supplemented the players that they brought up and surrounded them with with guys that would help them win. And I think when you look at the Galaxy, so uh, Jassy's artist may not be a homegrown player, but he's a guy that, that hasn't played anywhere else that they brought up. Um, you know, uh, maybe a Jack McBean could still fill a role. The idea is I think you want three or four guys, you know, do you put Romney and Steris in that group? Because they, you know, Steris did sign with Seattle and then came up through Galaxy 2. So did Romney came up through Galaxy 2. Um, so I guess it, it looks like it depends on how you classify those guys. But I think the idea is if your academy and, and your USL team produces three or four guys who play a lot of minutes, I think they did a really good job. Um, trying to produce 11 at a time is a little bit much. And, and so I, I, you know, I think some of these guys got exposed and I think the galaxy decided they were going to move on. And, um, I think with some players, it's going to come back to bite them, but I don't know that you can necessarily say a pox on the whole process. I, I think that last season, uh, was a mess and they just tried to do too much too soon with too many people and uh, they need a reset and maybe that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. And, but and I, I, I do agree with you though the idea of run as fast as you can to LAFC. And I, and I say that because I talked to some players last year who, who had a chance to go and play elsewhere and maybe be a fringe player on another MLS team. And they came here and they, they decided to sign and to stay with LA Galaxy 2 because, as they told me, 
the galaxy has proven that they will promote people from throughout their system that if i play well here on galaxy 2 i will get a chance to play with the galaxy and i'd much rather play for the la galaxy than play for sporting kansas city or play in columbus or somewhere else i will i will waste a year here not really wasting but i will devote a year to playing for galaxy 2 to get a shot to play for the la galaxy in the stub up center now that is gone. I don't think anyone's going to look at the Galaxy and say, this is a place where I can win my win my way into the first team if I play for Galaxy 2. That that uh, avenue seems to have been closed. Yeah, well, and it's not just that. It's not the fact that, hey, maybe they brought up they brought up too many. I will say it again. You know, whenever you, whenever you rely on too many young players like that, you're going to be inconsistent. That's what the LA Galaxy were. And certainly there was, as you said, some guys exposed. But then the fact is that they didn't say, okay, you know what? We did too much too, too soon. You know what? You guys need to go back to LA Galaxy 2. Well, you're going to be okay. We'll figure it out. Do the whole thing. They didn't do that. Instead, they just said, you're gone. That's it. No more. We're done. This experiment is over. Um, and so you have all these guys who have, who have sort of wasted away in the Academy system in the LA Galaxy 2 and then get their chance up there and, you know, were supported by crap players for most of the year. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible team. I don't know how you can expect anybody to do anything good. Roman Alessandrini is a saint for what he was able to do for the LA Galaxy this year, which is clearly why he was the, uh, the Galaxy's most valuable player, because he was still able to do something with the absolute crap that they had. Um, and so you had that, but I mean, are you, you can't expect that from, you know, young players, um, that are getting sort of their first or second taste at major league soccer, um, in the highest, you know, echelon in the country here. And they went from USL, which USL is, you know, a great developmental league as far as I'm concerned, but, uh, it's, it's a crazy, crazy league. It's nothing like major league soccer. The way that they play soccer down in USL is, you know, almost 180 degrees different from how they play in major league soccer. So, you know, there's differences there and, there's a huge gap between those two. Maybe these guys just weren't good enough for LA Galaxy, but maybe they are, you know, too good for LA Galaxy too. Maybe they're the uh, the the tr- the quadruple A player. You know, they talk about Major League Baseball going back to your reference between the difference between Triple A and the majors. Uh, you didn't have that guy. There's a guy who's too good for Triple A but not good enough for the majors, and so he's the quadruple A player. But uh, there isn't that league, so that guy doesn't last very long. So I mean, all of these things. I just think it's interesting that of how the landscape seems to have changed Kevin that you know Siggy has wiped the slate clean in a lot of ways again 13 players you know right now out of or, or out of contract and and didn't have their contracts exercised um so that is going to be very interesting again to see how it all sort of gets put back together as we get closer and closer to preseason you know I joke that there's 56 days left for the preseason Kevin and I've been doing the countdown and people have been giving me you know, a whole bunch of stick for it because they're like, you know, it's so far away. Why did you start with, you know, 75 days or whatever I, whatever day I started for? It's because all this stuff has, seems to happen very quickly as it goes. And so you have the expansion draft coming up. You have all these different drafts coming up. Things will start to happen. You have, you know, a four-hour tra- trade window that's going to open up. So maybe the LA Galaxy will get something, you know, on that day. And that's going to be interesting. So you have December 10th, which, uh, you know, sort of starts this this um this whole sort of exercise again uh which is the half day trade window that starts from 6 a.m to 10 a.m you have the option exercise deadline for mls cup participants uh you have the blackout period begins and then december 12th is the expansion draft and then free agency begins at 1 p.m on december 12th all these things happen in rapid succession december 13th is the waiver draft december 15th is reentry draft stage one and then december 21st is reentry draft stage two the la galaxy have the first pick in the waiver draft in both stages of the reentry draft 
draft and the second overall pick in the MLS Super Draft. So all of these things are going to go back to back to back very quickly. And yes, it says there's, 60, there's 56 days until the preseason starts, but the LA Galaxy need to really have a almost perfect roster built and created on January 22nd if Siggy Schmidt sort of wants it to be the way that he wants it to be, have all 30 players, have everybody in camp and ready to go. Well, a lot there. Uh, the half-day trade window, that sounds to me like speed dating. I, I mean, <laughs> yes. it's, it's just ridiculous. You're going to have a half-day trade. That's all you can do. You just you get four hours. You get to, four to hours. Set. Um, and then the other part of it is, so as you said, all this stuff happens in rapid succession. What that means to me is you better be prepared. You better have all your ducks in a row. You better know what you want to do. You better have plan B and plan C all the way down to plan Z. Um and you, you're going to do that without knowing how much money you're allowed to spend or what the roster rules are. That's why I'm really hoping that MLS has sort of called these guys aside and said, look, this is what we're going to do. We haven't announced it yet. But if they haven't done that, that's just ridiculous. And the other thing is the one thing that I think really um, – I don't want to say angered me. It's not my role to get angry. But but one thing that, that, that struck me, I guess, in the disaster that was last season is the way the front office, in my mind – was so cocky and cocksure that this was going to work, and it didn't. And they were never humble about, we think this has got a chance to work. We're going to try this. It was always, this is going to be it. I, you know, I had executives tell me this team is going to be better than the 2016 team, um, which you know I think a lot of us agree at the start of the season may have been the best MLS roster ever. Um, you know, they, they were just so sure it was going to work. And then when it went south, then all of a sudden it was the injuries and you know, it was Kurt Anoffel's problem. We got to get a new coach. You know what? It didn't work. It was poorly designed. The roster was poorly designed. The idea of bringing all these young kids up wasn't going to work. And I would have liked to hear someone say at some point, you know what? We thought it was going to work, but it just didn't. And now instead of what they're doing is they're they're throwing everything out. They are. They're cleaning the house. They're starting all over again. It left such a bad taste in everyone's mouth that anyone associated with this team is gone. And you talked about the human cost with Brian Rowe. I mean, Look at Jack McBean. Now he's off maybe to Colorado. That could be a team he could wind up at. But he was the golden boy. He was the guy that was going to save the team. Uh, and now he's just been, you know, put out by the curb with the rest of the trash. Uh, you know, we talked to another player, and I'm not going to mention his name because he spoke in confidence, but he was scared to death that he wasn't going to be brought back. And he thought he was on his way to Houston, which isn't a bad place to go, but not the place where he wanted <laughs> to play. He signed to play for the, the LA, LA Galaxy. Galaxy and yeah. now. For something that he didn't do, he actually had a very good season. He's on his way to Houston. Um, so, you know, the front office made a lot of mistakes. And rather than trying to, I think, uh, maybe backfill a little bit, they've decided that everything has to go and they're going to start all over again. That may be the way to go. That may be the best way to do this, the best way to handle this. And, you know, the, the old cliche, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. And maybe they have to do that. But, uh, you know, there's some people that didn't do anything wrong that are being damaged because of this. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's an interesting time to be an LA Galaxy fan to watch all this, and uh, I'm glad. Uh, one point that we ha I want to bring up, one correction: uh, Brian Rowe made $120,000 last year, so you were you were off by $15,000. I don't blame you because it was a good pull. I actually had to look it up in order to uh, to to get it. So $120,000 was Brian Rowe's salary for this 2017 season on both the guaranteed and the base salary. So and that extra 15,000 is now the taxes on his new part of the taxes probably only part, part of the, the taxes on uh, the house. Yeah, I know that's doesn't sound like very much fun. So anyway, that's where we stand right now. We did have one tweet that came in, and I asked people what they wanted us to talk about, Kevin. Uh, so Joey Reyes, at Joey Reyes 95 on Twitter, says, let's talk about the Robert Lewandowski coming to 
NCAA team rumor. All right. So oh yes, I want to this. talk about this. This let's is this this, this this is a good one. So uh, there was a report, and it was going around, and it wasn't Robert Lewandowski. It wasn't him who said this. It was his wife uh, Anna, uh, who apparently is very big on Instagram. Kevin, I just followed her on Instagram. She has like 1.5 million followers, and she's uh, she's very big in sort of the fit and fitness genre and routine there. And so um, yeah. So anyway, I I followed her on there to see this, but she was saying this. Uh, and she basically said, I think we will spend some time in the United States, too. We dream of Los Angeles. We want to develop our brands there. We hope that Robert will end his career at a club in Los Angeles. We can say now that it would be our dream. So she is saying that Robert Lewandowski, who is currently, I think, 29 years old, Kevin. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Okay, correct. 29 years old. The leading scorer right now in the Bundesliga uh, is, is going to be coming to a team in Los Angeles. And most articles have it that there's only one team in Los Angeles because they're not smart enough to realize that there ding, are... Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> That's why all these rumors are bogus because the, the story it's based upon said there's only one team to come to. That's right. So that's why you can't believe some of these things. And she doesn't say we're going to L.A. now. She says someday we would like to end our career there. Yep. Doesn't say it's going to happen now. Um, he is not. He is on one of the the, the world super clubs. He's playing at the highest stage. You know, the the Bundesliga has the second highest average attendance of any professional sports league in the world, behind only the NFL. Uh, the NFL. He is. Uh, he's. I know he's not happy with his contract. He was very unhappy with Carlo Ancelotti earlier in the year. Carlo Ancelotti is gone, which tells you how much power Robert Lewandowski has. He is not coming to MLS anytime soon. Will he come here at some point? Probably. Um, and it, will it help to grow his wife's brand? Yeah, probably. But you know what? She has to sell an awful lot of fitness stuff to make up for that that salary that that he the, the loss in earnings that he would take going from Bayern Munich to the LA Galaxy. So I just don't see that happening. Um, you know, I'm going to stand by my promise not <laughs> to chase every rumor that comes down the pike because uh, they just totally s- snookered me on the whole Ibrahimovic thing. So I'm not going after that again. I just don't see uh, Lewandowski coming. I do think Chicharito's coming soon, and I don't think he's going to the Galaxy. That's a whole other thing. But Lewandowski is is not coming. Uh, Not now, not next season, probably not two seasons from now. At some point, yeah. And might he come to the Galaxy? It depends on where the Galaxy goes. That was the destination. Um, The team was 8-18-8 last year and had a coaching change. So it's not the destination it once was. Um, Perhaps he goes to LAFC. Perhaps the Galaxy rebuilds. Um, we'll have to see, but it's not, uh, don't go to the airport hoping to see him today. He's not going to be there. <laughs> what, Kevin, come on. Now, David Beckham was how old whenever he came to the league? 30, was it 30, 31? I, I can never remember exactly. 32 whenever Becks first came in. So he was 30. It's not that far off. I mean, no, this is this is a ridiculous rumor. I just wanted to go ahead and talk about it because I think it's fun. Well, but uh, th- there, there are fans. I've gotten that too. What about David Beckham? Well, David Beckham was not the leading scorer in the Bundesliga. David Beckham was a very good player. He was a midfielder. He also went back and played for two other European teams. At, right? Was it two others that he went back to I play think, for? Was it just one? Was it AC Milan? He went to AC Milan. Uh, So, you know, the idea that doesn't happen in MLS anymore, thank God. Um, So Lewandowski is not going to be able to do that. Um, But David Beckham was motivated by the same thing. Remember, a big part of it was Posh Spice wanted to get into the whole Hollywood scene and the fashion scene and entertainment. So I get that. Um, I understand that. Uh, I, I, you know, for all that David Beckham brought and for all that David Beckham had going for him in Europe, I think Lewandowski is a different player right now. Um, I think he's more valuable. Uh, I think 
Uh, he is beginning to make his money. I, I thought, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think as good as Beckham was, he may have been on the downside of his career al already. He may have made his millions having played at Real Madrid and Manchester United. I think Lewandowski is still, as far as earning power goes, is still a little bit on the, on the rise. Yeah. So I just see their, the tra trajectory is going in, in two different ways. So... You know, it, people talk about well. You know, he's a good player. He's out. He's unhappy with his contract. He's you know getting to be thirty over thirty. So is Messi. So we're gonna talk about Messi coming to the Galaxy yes, too. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, here's the here's the crazy thing is that you still have uh, the Euro snobs out there going, why would you go? He if he goes to MLS, it's it's still a retirement league. And it's like you have a guy who's sort of at the pinnacle of his career right now. He's scoring goals left and right. Uh, he's playing on some of the world's biggest stages. Uh, he was linked with possible rumors of going to Real Madrid. So maybe he takes the David Beckham sort of uh, theory and goes to Real Madrid, then comes to the LA Galaxy. However, however you look at that, but you have that and you still want to call MLS a retirement league if he would come right now. Now, I still think that there's some credence to the whole there are players, old European players who will come to Major League Soccer and I don't see that changing anytime soon, but at the same time We've already seen this league move away from that a lot in the last probably two or three years. So it's not just a blanket statement anymore. But, um, you know, with David Beckham, David Beckham had a super ridiculously huge brand outside of what he was doing with soccer, Kevin. And that makes him a totally different player than what Lewandowski could possibly bring to the LA Galaxy. Granted, you know, a, a really huge uh, soccer player and somebody who I think would turn a lot of heads, but I'm telling you right now that Robert Lewandowski, I'll, I'll use this, this is the test I always use to see how big a soccer player is. Has my mom heard of Robert Lewandowski? <laughs> All right, and the answer is my mom has not heard of Robert Lewandowski, so that, that's, that sort of gives you an idea of, of just the differences, but at the same time, you know, if we were going to go, Kevin, you said I'm not going to chase down any rumor, every rumor, and I agree with that. And it was one of the reasons that I didn't chase this down either. Because if we went to the LA Galaxy right now, they would probably tell you that, of course, we want we're, to talk we're to... We're in on every player. We, of course we want to talk to Robert Lewandowski. How could you not want to talk to Robert Lewandowski? We are interested in him. But it doesn't mean anything. Because, of course, they are. And, of course, they should be, Kevin. If there was even an... Inch, if I'll be honest with you. If Robert Lewandowski goes, yeah, I'm thinking about coming to Los Angeles, then somebody in the Galaxy front office better be on an airplane right now, mid-flight, getting ready to land in Germany for tomorrow morning, so that way they can talk to Robert Lewandowski and convince him to come to the LA Galaxy. If that is even has an inkling of truth, you camp out in front of his house with a care basket of all the wonderful things we have in Los Angeles, you start wooing his wife, you do all those things in order to get him to come to the LA Galaxy. That's how big of a deal that would be. Oh, and by the way, you get rid of all your designated players. All right, you just wipe the slate clean. So that's, it's ridiculous. Well, here's another thing too, is Poland's in the World Cup. Lewandowski is not going to come to MLS on the eve of the World Cup. That's why Chicharito is not going to come until after the World Cup as well. These guys are not going to come here on the eve of the World Cup. Uh, you know, we'll see whether Carlos Vela made a good decision or not. I know LAFC has also signed Omar Gaber, who uh, is on the Egyptian national team and is going to play in the World Cup. But he's not playing in Basel. He is not playing. And and Bob Bradley made the point to him that if you're going to be on the World Cup team, you need to be playing. Yes, it'd be better perhaps for you to stay in Europe. The schedule is more friendly to a World Cup uh, a player. All that kind of stuff. But you need to be playing somewhere. It's it's much better for you to come and play 15 games in MLS leading up to the World Cup than it is to sit on the bench in Basel and watch the games. So different players need different things. Lewandowski is playing every day. He's playing 90 minutes for Bayern Munich. He's in the European Championships. 
that's going to prepare him for a World Cup much better than coming to MLS, uh, going through training camp in January and February and playing a few games and then flying halfway across the world. I know I just booked my trip to Russia for the World Cup. It's about 22 hours uh, to get there. I don't think Lewandowski wants to go from L.A. to Pol- to Poland and then to Russia and deal with all that kind of stuff. He's going to stay in Europe, and that's the best thing for him to do. But he will be in L.A. eventually, uh, maybe with the Galaxy. But uh, don't buy your season tickets this season hoping to see them. <laughs> all fun times in the offseason, Kevin. This is what it's all about, all those crazy, wacky rumors. And it's even more fun now because you get to see how crazy and wacky they are whenever they don't mention the other well, team in Los Angeles well, right now. If you want to talk about trade rumors, I think Giancarlo Stanton has a better chance of playing for the Galaxy than Robert Lewandowski. He does, have a, chan- that way. He does have a chance of playing for the Dodgers, though, Kevin, which is very, very interesting. So I'll, I'll so, put some. He comes down and he, you know, he plays in goal. He's a big guy. He could, and he, He's nimble. He could be a goalkeeper. They need a goalkeeper. That would work great. That's, they could share the salary. That sounds like a wonderful deal. All right, the LA Galaxy, again, have released their players. 13 players currently off the roster. We have two sort of in limbo with Ashley Cole and Baggio Husidic. And then, of course, you have the 13 players who are on the roster right now for the 2018 season. Uh, a lot of coverage with the LA Times through Kevin Baxter, so go check out his stories there and over on cornerofthegalaxy.com uh, as well. Kevin, anything else you want to get to before we uh, wrap up this uh, this time? You had a good Thanksgiving outside of the whole uh, Miss Universe getting robbed thing, you know? Yeah, well, my wife had to work on Thanksgiving, so I had to go, and uh, there was no way I was going to cook. I would have killed the whole family. <laughs> so I had to go get some takeout Thanksgiving dinner. That was uh, that was how we spent our Thanksgiving. That's good. All right. Well, I hope I hope everybody else had a, has a reasonably okay, you know, outside of my panic about the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show. Everything was wonderful. Um, so, you know, I think that's where we're going to leave it. There will be another show on Thursday night. I don't know who the guest is going to be, but I'm trying to work on a guest. We'll see who, who it ends up being. But we'll have another show on Thursday as we get closer and closer closer to the expansion draft, uh, the end of the MLS Cup playoffs and the MLS Cup final, all those things starting to wrap up as well. And uh, some more information and some more. I will tell you, Kevin, just between you and me, as long as nobody else is listening, I may currently be looking at how to produce some Corner of the Galaxy scarves. Just between you and me, don't share that with anybody outside in the podcast, but everybody can keep a secret, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so we'll see how that goes and see if we can get those ready for the beginning of the season as well. So, uh, well, where's our big off season, uh, like beer party, or whatever it's going to be. I saw the riot squad is going to have a party, a Christmas party at StubHub center. We haven't nailed down our corner of the galaxy, our big uh, social event, the, the red carpet and the whole nine yards. When we, are we going to do that? We are going to do it. We are going to do it. I have some, th- I've been busy. I've been busy planning. So we have that. We'll get to, we'll have a get together and I'm hoping, I think next week, by next week, we'll be able to release it. I'll get with you. We'll, we'll figure it out. All right. Are we gonna have guests like like big name guests? I don't know. We might I be know able to pull some. Robert up. Lewandowski. <laughs> I heard he wants to come to Los Angeles. Well, this is a great opportunity. We That's... could show him. We could see if he wants to buy Brian Rose house. <laughs> That sounds like a great idea. See, we've figured out all the problems the LA Galaxy have had in the span of under 60 minutes, Kevin, which is why we're so good at what we do. All right, we're going to get... Brian Rowe, we're taking care of you, buddy. (laughs) All right, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, please head on over at kbaxter11, and then, of course, follow him at latimes.com. Follow all of his stories there uh, and support his writing and, obviously, his participation here, his highly paid participation here at Corner of the Galaxy. All right, if you're looking for me on Twitter, at jguessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A, and of course at Galaxy Podcast head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com for all of our uh, fun news information and podcasts all the stuff you want to know about your LA Galaxy right there on cornerofthegalaxy.com alright for Mr. Kevin Baxter and after a week off I'm Josh Guessman. you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com have a great one everybody
You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.